The government pays for billions of dollars worth of scientific research each year, beyond the science conducted by federal agencies themselves. My next guest says American science faces threats from many directions. He's in a position to help as the new chairman of the House Science Committee's Investigations and Oversight Committee. Illinois Representative Bill Foster joins me now. Representative Foster, good to have you on. Well, happy to be here. Tell us, what are the priorities of the committee? I don't think that's a widely known committee, actually, that there's investigations and oversight of science. Well, the subcommittee's empowered with investigative and oversight authority over all matters concerning non-defense federal research. And as the, well, for a long time, I was the only PhD scientist in the U.S. Congress. And now, as a result of the last election, I've been joined by my Republican colleague, uh, Jim Baird, who is uh, also on the Science Committee, uh, a lifelong farmer from central Indiana who, in his youth, uh, got a PhD in swine nutrition. But he and I are, are partners on uh, one of our endeavors, the Research and Development Caucus, and is just a wonderful new member of the committee. And we now have a bipartisan PhD caucus in the U.S. Congress. Well, with him being that particular area of science, you might say you're both kind of whole hog into science here. And I guess... I guess so. Is one of the issues the uh, influence of foreign governments that may or may not be friendly to the United States? I'm thinking of the recent issue at Harvard, where a professor receiving a lot of federal funding over the years didn't disclose that he was also getting money from China. That's right. Well, transparency is a first crucial step. If members of our academic community will not be upfront about where they are getting money from, uh, it's a problem for national security. It's also a problem for just, you know, frankly, straight up corruption when money is being taken, for example, by uh, drug companies and is given to doctors that may be involved in clinical trials of those drugs. So we have to make sure that the starting point is transparency. And then after that, we have to think deeply about how open we want to be in sharing research in dual-use technologies. Uh, this is really tough because almost every technology you can point to these days has a dual-use capability. And we can't, if we're going to hold on to the model of open science where results are published, we have to deal with the fact that the moment a result is published, it goes offshore. And if the economic benefits of that research are immediately captured, not in the United States, but offshore, we have to think about how to handle uh, technology transfer. And do you have any particular ideas on how that might happen, the prevention of someone else benefiting from science done here and paid for by taxpayers? Well, as long as it's a two-way street, then it's uh, acceptable. But if a country takes the attitude that, you know, what's ours is theirs and what's theirs is theirs, uh, then I think we have a problem. And we haven't seen a lot of particularly technical and military research, dual-use research, flowing both directions here. And this is one of the issues we're looking at. But we have to be cautious. Uh, the, you know, For example, all of the wonderful work on artificial intelligence, the breakthroughs that happened in Canada and the United States and, and England, largely in the last decade, were, have immediately been abused by the Chinese, which is the big entity in the room in this discussion. But it's been used to uh, oppress their weaker population and suppress civil liberties immediately. So we have to, we have to think carefully about how both of our federally subsidized research and our commercial research uh, can be abused abroad. So this is a very broad topic. And getting back to the issue of corruption and transparency that you mentioned earlier, is it 
corruption per se if drug companies are involved in funding research or only if it is not disclosed? If it's not disclosed or if the researchers take actions that they would not have taken if they had not received payment or come to conclusions that they would not have come to without receiving payment. You know, there's a long and and sorry history of the tobacco industry uh, subsidizing what effectively amounts to fake science and inserting that into the normal bloodstream of scientific research. And, um, you know, there's a lot to worry about in that area. We're speaking with Illinois Congressman Bill Foster, chairman of the House Science Committee's Investigations and Oversight Subcommittee. And in your statement upon taking this role just about a month ago, you said American science is under attack. What else did you mean by that? Well, one of the things is clearly we have more and more peer competition around the world. You know, part of that is uh, because of something we've done over decades, you know, following World War II. We opened our economy and our universities to Germany, Japan, Italy, South Korea, and Taiwan with the understanding that they would get access to our, our technology and our economy with part of the understanding that they would also become liberal democracies, which by and large they have. Uh, and China took a couple of steps in that direction, but is um, unfortunately now stepping away. And so we have to we have to understand what we can do to encourage them to rejoin the path towards becoming an open society. And we have to understand what we will do to the extent that they uh, refuse to do so. And even though the percentage of worldwide spending on science that the United States has is lower because of the increases elsewhere around the world, we're still a big spender on science. And a lot of that does go through federal grants. What's your feeling about how grant recipients should be reporting and what kinds of oversight the federal government should have on grant recipients? I think that should be part of the understanding that, that if a taxpayer is going to give money to, uh, to a researcher, the researcher owes it back to the taxpayer to say where else they are getting money from and who else has a call on their expertise and their, you know, and their research. Anything else on your mind as you take on this new position? Well, there's a, you know, I've long been committed to nuclear security, uh, specifically the minimization of weapons-grade materials like highly enriched uranium. I look forward to leveraging my new position as INO chair to bring more attention to this critical issue, uh, which is, you know, important to preventing a worldwide arms race. And I think we are also going to have to um, continue to look hard at the uh, the effects of of non-technologically competent political appointees uh, when they are put in charge of a technical project or, or technical agency. And then because they don't have the technical background, they should end up making very bad decisions. This is not just about Sharpies, Sharpie Gate and so on. This is has to do more with um, people often political appointees often in acting positions uh, that simply don't have the expertise and experience to know how how the system should operate and what checks and balances are in our system to make sure that all researchers are treated fairly and the money gets sent to the most promising research projects. And earlier in your career, you did work with the national laboratories, which are huge loci of science for the federal government. What's your sense of how things are running on that end of things? Well, I'm one of the many hats I wear around here is as the uh, one of the bipartisan co-chairs of the National Labs Caucus. So we're in the process of having congressional delegations with many members coming to 
each of the 17 Department of Energy National Labs. We're about, uh, I guess, just about halfway done with those 17 labs right now. And I'm really um, positively impressed at the way, at the enthusiasms that members of Congress uh, show when they see the great science that's done at those national labs. Uh, this is very far from just, um, you know, making nuclear weapons, which may have been the start of the national laboratories, but they branched out into everything from uh, sequencing the human genome to uh, groundbreaking research in renewable energy. And will you keep an eye on the many STEM activities that are going on throughout the government? Many agencies have them to make sure that the talent pool is there in the future for scientific work? Yep, that is uh, pretty much job one. If you look at the long-term viability of our economy in a competitive world, uh, we have to maintain the STEM workforce. And, you know, that starts with educating the next generations. So that's something I... My, my staff has discovered that when I'm back in Illinois and I get a little bit grumpy about this job I've taken on, that they can always cheer me up by taking me to a science fair or something like this where you get to, or a robotics competition where you get to see these young kids so excited about about the technology that is shaping everyone's lives. Illinois Congressman Bill Foster is chairman of the House Science Committee's Investigations and Oversight Subcommittee. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy to be here. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. <laughs> The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Dream Sember sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on Sealy. Only at Mattress Firm. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.